The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I am Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 4, Paragraph 33, which is very connected to uh, yesterday's Paragraph 32. And pardon me ahead of time for my mispronunciations of these Romans' names. Words familiar in olden times are now archaisms. So also the names of those whose praises were hymned in bygone days are now, in a sense, archaisms. Camillus, Caiso, Volesis, Dentatus, a little after, Scipio II, and Cato, then also Augustus, then also Hadrian and Antoninus. For all things quickly fade and turn to fable, and quickly, too, utter oblivion covers them like sand. And this I say of those who shone like stars to wonder at. The rest, as soon as the breath was out of their bodies, were unnoticed and unwept. And what, after all, is everlasting remembrance? Utter vanity. What then is it? What then is that about which a man ought to spend his pains? This one thing, right understanding, neighborly behavior, speech which would never lie, and a disposition welcoming all which comes to pass as necessary, as familiar, as flowing from a source and a fountain like itself. So at first glance, this seems like a rather, uh, you know, good, but but somewhat cliche stoic idea, the idea that that we're going to die and be forgotten uh, and, you know, covered up by the sands of time. Um, and, uh, it's just cause it's cliche doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, when I, whenever I want to make this point to my students in high school, um, in usually in Kohala's class, what I would do is I would say, you know, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you know the name of a grandparent? And obviously everyone raises their hand. How many of you know the name of, of, of one of your great grandparents? You know, hands go down, uh, but there's still some up. How many of you know the name of one of your great, great, great grandparents? Great, great, and then great, 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 bankers. Usually, by great, 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 no one has their hands up. You know, so so it doesn't take that long for us to be forgotten. Uh, and as he's saying, you know, uh, he his examples are, are people who were who had fame, uh, but most of us are just not going to uh, to be remembered uh, at all past you know past a few generations. Um, so uh, so the question though, so I mean, we could take this in several directions, but one of the questions here is uh, a person could argue and say, well, we're talking about Marcus Aurelius right now. And not only that, but we're talking, you know, we do talk about those same people. We talk about Hadrian, we talk about Augustus. I mean, maybe not as much, but you know, those guys are remembered. So what about that? Well, one, uh, one response to that is, uh, is there's no guarantee, right? And if you give it enough time, we will forget about them. I mean, yeah, we are, are, we can still talk about the Romans because that was only 2000 years ago and we're still in the Western society that was shaped by them. But, you know, look at all of the Egyptian Kings, uh, that have been forgotten. Look at all the Sumerian and Hittite and all these other ancient civilization, you know, they're, royalty and certainly their their peasantry uh is totally forgotten you know so give it give it some time you know um uh but another answer you can give is the fact that what do we remember them for um now i don't really know enough about these other people that uh marcus really has mentioned so i'm gonna use a, a major example uh like look at genghis khan you know genghis khan had arguably one of the biggest impacts as a single person on on shaping world history, you know, uh, in terms of the Mongolian empire and everything that followed in its wake. Um, so you could say, I mean, he, he did have an influence, you know, and his name will be remembered for a long time. So on the one hand, that's true. Um, but on the other hand, if you think about it, there are two ways that you can have influence as a human being, you could have influence as 
a rational animal or you could have influence as a rational animal, <laughs> you know? Um, I, again, I don't know these Roman emperors, but uh, when we talk about, um, when we talk about uh, Marcus Aurelius, you know, and when he's remembered, or when we talk about Socrates, or when we talk about Shlomo HaMelech, or the Rambam, or the Nevi'im, you know, um, Moshe Rabbeinu, Avram Avinu, the Avos, we're, we're talking about the influence of their ideas that continue to be remembered and to influence us, not just as animals or as, you know, uh, as, as physical forces that had a physical impact, but as, as Selim Elohim, as, as truth-seeking intellects that, that grasped and taught certain ideas and that those ideas continue to influence future generations of, of minds. And I'm reminded maybe because I quoted the, the Rav in Halakhic Man the other day, um, I'm reminded of another one of my favorite passage in, passages in Halakhic Man. I actually don't have the page number on this one. I think it's in the second section. And I actually re, I read this on a recent Mishlei Shir. Um, so if it sounds familiar, that might be where you heard it from. Um, he's talking about the Ramam's view of Hashgacha Pratis, of divine providence. Uh, and the Ramam holds that, you know, the the closer you are to, to Hashem, then the more God's providence relates to you. So uh, I'm going to read this entire thing before I comment. Uh, and this, this, I actually, the memory was triggered by the phrase that Aurelius used of that uh, these people, as soon as their breath was out of their bodies, they were unnoticed and unwept. So that, that led me to this phrase here, but I think the idea is also relevant. Okay, here we go. The Rav writes, The gist of Maimonides' view of divine providence is that man occupies a unique position in the kingdom of existence and differs in his ontological nature from all other creatures. With reference to all other creatures, only the universal, not the particular, has a true continuous existence. With respect to man, however, it is an everlasting principle that his individual existence also attains the heights of true eternal being. Indeed, the primary mode of man's existence is the particular existence of the individual, who is both liable and responsible for his acts. Therefore, it is the individual who is worthy of divine providence and eternal life. Man, in one respect, is a mere random example of the biological species. Species man, an image of the universal, a shadow of true existence. In another respect, he is a man of God, possessor of an individual existence. The difference between a man who is a mere random example of the biological species and a man of God is that the former is characterized by passivity, the latter by activity and creation. The man who belongs solely to the realm of the universal is passive to an extreme. He creates nothing. The man who has a particular existence of his own is not merely a passive, receptive creature, but acts and creates. Action and creation are the true distinguishing marks of authentic existence. Um, I'm actually going to skip a little bit about this. Uh, here we go. Man at times exists solely by virtue of the species, by virtue of the fact that he was born a member of that species and its general form is engraved upon him. He exists solely on account of his participation in the idea of the universal. He is just a member of the species, man, an image of the universal. He is just one more example of the species image in its ongoing morphological process in the, Aristan in the Aristotelian sense of the term. He himself, however, has never done anything that could serve to legitimate his existence as an individual. His soul, his spirit, his entire being are all grouped, sorry, grounded in the realm of the universal. His roots lie deep in the soil of faceless mediocrity. His growth takes place solely within the public domain. He has no stature of his own, no original individual per personal profile. He has never created anything, never brought into being anything new, never accomplished anything. He is receptive, passive, a spiritual parasite. He is wholly under the influence of other people and their views. Never has he sought to render an accounting either of himself or of the world. Never has he examined himself, his relationship to God and his fellow man. He lives unnoticed and die he dies unmourned. Like a fleeting cloud, a shadow, he passes through life and he is gone. He bequeaths nothing to future generations but dies without leaving a trace of his having lived. Empty-handed he goes to the grave, bereft of mitzvah performances, good deeds, and meritorious acts. For while living, he 
lacked any sense of historical responsibility and was totally wanting in any ethical passion. He was born involuntarily, and it is for this reason and this reason alone that he involuntarily lives out his life, a life which paradoxically he has chosen until he dies involuntarily. This is man as the random example of the biological species. But there's another man, one who does not require the assistance of others, who does not need the support of the species to legitimate his existence. Such a man is no longer a prisoner of time, but he is his own master. He exists not by virtue of the species, but solely on account of his own individual worth. His life is replete with creation and renewal, cognition and profound understanding. He lives not on account of his having been born, but for the sake of life itself, and so that he may merit thereby the life in the world to come. He recognizes the destiny that is his, his obligation and task in life. He understands full well the dualism running through his being and that choice which has been entrusted to him. He knows that there are two paths before him and that whichever he shall choose there must he go he is not passive but active um he is, his personality is not characterized by receptivity but by spontaneity he does not simply abandon himself to the rule of the species but blazes his own individual trail moreover he as an individual influences the many his whole existence like some enchanted stream rushes ever onward to distant magical regions he is dynamic not static does not remain at rest but moves forward in an ever ascending climb for indeed it is the living god for whom he pines and longs this is the man of god um, so, and he says, he concludes, the fundamental of providence is here transformed into a concrete commandment, an obligation incumbent upon man. Man is obliged to broaden the scope and strengthen the intensity of the individual providence that watches over him. Everything is dependent on him. It is all in his hands. When a person creates himself, ceases to be a mere species man and becomes a man of God, then he has fulfilled that commandment, which is implicit in the principle of providence. And this is really what Aurelius is talking about uh, when he says that what you should spend your pains on is right understanding, neighborly behavior, speech which should, would never lie, and a disposition welcoming uh, all which comes to pass as necessary, as familiar, as flowing from a source and fountain like itself. That that type of person does partake of a certain eternal existence and is remembered for his ideas, uh, and and his ideas have influence as as a, as a uh, the influence befitting of a human, uh, not just a, a biological force. Uh, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. The link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.